Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolph Stand Up Podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. That is David Neal. Thanks so much for tuning in. Quick reminder before we start, make sure to subscribe to the Miami Herald YouTube page, like, share, comment, as well as subscribe to the Miami Herald. Uh, now, this is the post-mortem episode of the Dolph Stand Up Podcast, and that's, as you know... The annual post-mortem episode. The, annual. the one that always occurs in January. Yeah, yeah, and for obvious reasons, uh, as you all know, the Dolphin season came to an end last Saturday in the wild card round, a 26-27 to 27 road loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it was the coldest game in franchise history, the fourth coldest game uh, in NFL history, uh, and the Dolphins, they succumbed to uh, the elements, uh, really just lackluster performance uh, that results in the second straight year with the first round exit, uh, we had locker room clean out on Monday, with players saying their goodbyes. Uh, Chris Greer, general manager Chris Greer, as well as Mike McDaniel, head coach, uh, spoke to the media and later in an end of season news conference. And now uh, the Dolphins are slowly but surely transitioning into offseason mode, which comes with a lot of questions. Uh, we've got some big name free agents on the team that are set to hit the market. Are they going to be able to sign them? Um, the Dolphins have a precarious cap situation. Chris Greer said he's not worried about that, but how are they going to get some money so they can keep uh, those guys? And maybe really the most important or the most pressing question is what they do with Tua Tunga Bailoa. He's had to play uh, out the final year of his contract on the fifth-year option in 2024. Do they pay him? Do they wait and see for another year? We're going to discuss all of that, uh, but we want to start big picture because like you said, the Dolphins season came to an end. Um, it was a season that began with a lot of promise, uh, wilted down the stretch, and that ultimately culminated uh, in uh, last Saturday's wild card round loss, a game that they were never really in. You know, they fell behind 10-0. Um, they got the big uh, 52-yard touchdown pass from two of the Tyreek. Um, that kind of gave them some life, but they weren't able to capitalize off of that. Uh, banged up defense and kept them in the game, but uh, just not enough. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins in the end. So now there's a lot of frustration, a lot of disappointment, a lot of anger uh, amongst Dolphins Twitter, Dolphins fandom uh, about another first-round playoff exit. We're, we're here to give you the real, give you the rational, uh, maybe talk you off the edge, but maybe also uh, give you some, some medicine. And um, so We got to start with the question, though, was the season a failure? Now, it's very interesting to, to kind of get the pulse of the post-game locker room. Um, afterward, you had some guys like Jalen Waddle who said this season was not a success. Um, you had others that said, yeah, Tyreek said we overachieved. He said a lot of people doubted them, but they overachieved. Uh, we talked to Chris Greer, and he said it's a little bit mixed, and you have to you have to put it in the context as we discuss this, as we break it down. You have to put it in the context of this team undergoing uh, a rebuild uh, that started in 2019 with the tank, with the roster teardown, however you want to call it. Um, and five years later, there's no playoff win to show for no postseason success and the Dolphins now actually have uh 
that the longest active playoff win drought of 23 years. Uh, Detroit Lions got off the schneid over the weekend, but the Dolphins couldn't. Um, and when we asked Chris Greer, um, you know, is this has this rebuild been a success? He said it's mixed um, because and, and he and he made some what I thought were fair points about um, this being the second year of the Mike McDaniel era. Um, them still growing and working. He said, hey, like there's a lot of good things. And I think we're on the right path. Um, but, you know, there's still more work to be done. I personally, you know, I've, I don't remember exactly what you're preseason prediction was my preseason prediction uh was for them to win the uh division and i don't believe i had them winning a playoff game but i had them winning the, the winning the uh excuse me sorry sorry i actually had them coming second in the division my bipod i had them coming second in the division um actually with a first round playoff exit um that's ultimately what we saw but i think that you know uh we can adjust our expectations and kind of marry that with reality as the season progresses. Um, but, you know, as I wrote in my post game, uh, my, I guess my, my game story, um, it was kind of a funny, no, not funny if you're a Dolphins fan, but maybe an ironic ending to the season because you have all season long, they're fighting these narratives. Um, they're just the flashy team that's good at home. They can't beat good teams. They can't beat good teams on the road. They can't play in the elements. And, you know, they have this team that's fighting these narratives and they're fighting to, to break these narratives, to bust these narratives and be uh, respected. And you have a culmination at the end of the season where they're playing a playoff game on the road in the elements and the struggle throughout was know? real. The struggle was real. <laughs> and, the and the funny thing is that the unit that was missing one, two, three, four, five, like, like you know, a whole temptations full of starters. There, that's the unit that kept them in the game. I was the most reliable of the unit, and, and, and you know, and the, really over the course of the, over the last two weeks, honestly, it, if you count yeah. the Buffalo game, because they it was it was really a similar performance to the Buffalo game where they're giving up a lot of yards, they're playing under man, but they're getting the stops where you need, and you're kind of waiting on this offense, which offense. we have yeah. to, in which I I alluded to in last week's podcast that this offense was going to have the majority of their guys. They got Jalen Waddle back. They got Raheem Mostert back. Of course, they were missing two off of the starters, but that's been the deal. That's been the case for majority of the season with those Connor Williams and Isaiah Wynn being out for the year. And you can only muster seven points. I think that was the most disappointing thing. I, yeah. When I look big picture, I don't I don't say that this season was a failure because I think that um, we do have to recognize that they dealt with a lot of injuries. And nobody wants to use it as an excuse. None of the players, none of the coaches, none of the general manager didn't want to use it as an excuse. But I think we can understand that on the defensive side of the ball, that was not a representative group. Uh, or that was not the representative group that the Dolphins expected to have uh, when the games counted, you know, mattered most. On offense, so that's a completely different story. Because um, this was a yeah. month, this was a months-long kind of breakdown that we saw specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and I think there's blame to go around. I think that first off, I mean, I know the focus is going to be on Tua um, for the way that he finished the season in that game, but I will, I will go back and I think you would agree with me that Tua should never, ever have been in the spot where he should have been dropping back to pass 39, 39 times in that game. We already no. know, we already know the questions about his arm strength and whatnot. And we said the only shot that they had in this game was probably running the ball 30, 35, maybe even 40 times. 
Um, and I thought it was telling that uh, McDaniel didn't do that. Well, they couldn't do that. And McDaniel didn't do that. And that almost lends me to believe that McDaniel didn't believe that they were equipped to do that. I, I don't know what you think, but. Which, well, I th- the the real telling stretches, but arguably the, 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 there was this, this game had a turning point. Uh, it was 13-7. The Dolphins get the ball. Mostert, they start off with a, dr- a drive with Mostert running four times, and you know they're moving the ball, and then they get into a third and one situation. Third and one, third and two, you know, very sur- third, short yards. Third and one, yep. thirty one, and they, you know, they went with the, you know, the quick screen, the quick screen out there that they didn't throw very. Tua didn't throw very well, and most of didn't catch very well. So th- th- now they're at fourth and one. They line up. The, the Chiefs, <laughs> like, lined up as if they knew. They knew. They knew like you know your mama's name. They knew the Dolphins were not going to run, just line up and punch it at them. They lined up that way, and then they played the play that way. They, they rushed two guys. And – you know, and then the you know they got a knock, they got a pass knockdown. It reminded me, and then they go down and they get the field goal. Now it's a two score game again. It reminded me um, the late Jim Mandich, who some of our older listeners or viewers, and it's probably some of our younger ones remember. Uh, you know, was on Dolphin games, former Dolphin tight end, uh, and he did Dolphins color commentary on radio for decades, and then he had his own radio show, and I remember. His on one day on his radio show in that very distinctive voice, uh, he said, I had a football coach once tell me that at some point in every football game, you're going to have to gain one yard. You have to be able to gain that one yard. And there it was. They they couldn't line up and just say, we're gaining this yard. And I thought I was crazy when I saw this. I was like, okay, maybe I'm just not seeing this. But if Maurice Jones drew later that night on uh, NFL game day final mentioned the exact same thing and actually also mentioned that he had a coach who said the same thing to him, but he said that the Dolphins were not apparently either that, as you said, they don't feel they're equipped to do that or, or they can't do that. One or the other, whether you feel you can't or you can't, it adds up to you can't, you won't, you don't, and you, and you're going to fail at some point in that important game, and especially in, you know, negative four-degree temperatures. That was, to me, that was just so, I mean, come on, how can you, who as a football team says you you can't do that, you know, well, does well, that? Is, well, this has been a... And, 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 and that's, and to me, that is, if you're looking into the offseason as... You know, if you feel you can't do that, um, even without your starting center, which you've been without for weeks, and um, if you feel you can't do that, you have to make some adjustments so that you can. Because at some point, you can be flash and dash and everything, but every every championship team is physical to some level. There's there's no you know nobody nobody soft lifts the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, I mean nobody. I- yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we. So the thing is, like, 
I think we saw growth in the, specifically the Dolphins offense this year, like entering year two of Mike McDaniel as a play caller. Um, the, the big knock or the big question on him was, was he going to run the ball more? And they did that. They were a lot more successful running the ball. They were, I think they were definitely top 10. They were number one in yards per carry. Um, but I think that this game is exposed. And if you're really watching really, really closely, especially in the games that they struggled in, um, the Dolphins have to play a very specific style of ball to be successful on offense. Um, on offense, it's very much, and it still is very much, you know, we have to get the ball out of Tua's hands very quickly, get it over the middle of the field. On And especially with the run game, um, they were successful, but they were so successful on the perimeter runs. You know, we always see that outside toss, the outside zone, the fake pitch to the outside. Um, and, and the really good teams, the teams that they struggled against, you know, whether it was Baltimore, like, you know, all, early on that was successful. But after a while, teams, you know, have success with that. We saw it in, in Buff against Buffalo in week 18, where, you know, HM was ripping off some large runs. And obviously you would, you would have liked to see McDaniel call some more of those runs in the second half. But when they did, the Bills, you know, clamped down on that. Um, and I think that they needed, and we've seen it at times throughout the season, but maybe not consistently. And when they faced their toughest competition, we didn't see that 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 that's that change up where all right, we can run it between the tackles, you know, we can do the power run game, we can do the, the stuff up the middle. Um, and the same thing with the passing game, where it's like, all right, like it was almost like a, an overcorrection where you know they started to throw the screens and they started to run through the quick hit and stuff, um, you know, because teams were crowding over the middle. But, you know, it was almost like they were doing too much of it and the and the Chiefs are able to kind of counteract that. Um, and, and that's why I asked, you know, one of the questions that I asked McDaniel um, in the pregame or the postgame presser was when you look at the struggles that this offense had against, you know, the tougher competition that you faced, do you feel it's a, a fundamental flaw with the scheme? Or is this something that we can can be fixed with minor tweaks? And he wasn't really in the the right headspace to to give like a a, a full you know autopsy of the offense and whatnot. But I think that is you know we're going to talk about this in the second half. But that's that's part of what they need to they, they need to figure out because it's the second yeah. year the second year that this offense is bogged down. Last year they had a bit of an excuse because Tua. Um, was injured for the last couple games in the in the concussion protocol. But even before then, you know, they they struggled. You know, they struggled against San Francisco. They struggled against LA. They bounced back against Buffalo, but then they had some struggles against uh Green Bay in the last game that we saw Tua play. So then this year it was like, all right, if Tua plays the entirety of the season, we're gonna have a different result. Well, we have another tough stretch at the end of the season where you play the Buffalo, uh shoot, where you play Buffalo, uh, you play even in the Dallas game. The Dallas game, the, the offense wasn't, you know, anything to write about. And honestly, honestly the, the defense kind of saved the day because the defense was lights out in that game. They get a big top stop on the first drive of that game. Um, and then and obviously two it was able to drive them down uh for a game winning field goal. But you know, they really made that they really that was really on the on the strength of, you know, a uh, 15-yard face mask penalty and they were able to get some key runs from Jeff Wilson. Um, you know, th th there there has to be a, a real question and a real um a real deep dive into what is going on with this offense, especially late in the season, and against some of the better competition. Because it feels like whether it's the competition, whether it's you know teams getting more film at the end of the season, this offense hasn't been the same. You know, two or through I think four interceptions and four touchdowns in the final month of the season, he did not look the same as he did uh, in the first half of the year. Um, and, and that is you know if not the if not the it's one of the major reasons why um, we see them you know with a first round exit for the second straight year. Well, I think undoubtedly teams do adjust. And, you know, what the Dolphins, what the Dolphins do is 
you know, tough to deal with out of the box, I think, in any game, individual game. However, you know, teams see it on – teams get a lot of film on it. They start practicing against it a little more that week, um, get a better idea of how to prepare. Um, you see teams that have success with it, okay, let's see what we can do that they did. And then it's it's then up to, again, the Dolphins to say, okay – what can we do? You know, now that they're if they're going to if if they're going to adjust to us, then we have to adjust the adjustment. And until they we make them adjust to the adjustment, and then we can get back to doing what we like to do. It's you know this is the same game that you know coach everybody's been playing for. This is the same adjustment game, and you know you know, point-counterpoint, move-counter-move that, you know, coach has been playing for, you know, 60, 70 years since, like, Paul Brown actually diagnosed it, you know, really drew up a serious offense and Don Hudson created the pass pattern. But, you know, so... It, I mean, I think I think we saw... I think we saw adjustments. Like, I don't... I, I don't think that... Like, I don't think we were just sitting on his laurels. I, I think no, I think we, I I don't think we I don't I think we saw an adjustment to the adjustment, but I I, I don't know. I think we saw I, I don't know. I, I still I don't think we saw that next level of of, of adjustment because what they did what some of the stuff they were doing against Kansas City was and you know for a lot of parts of the season very it, it's it got predictable and. I don't care how fast you are, you know, um, predictable is, you know, unless you are just, just execution, you're, you're, unless you're, every part of your execution is on point and you've practiced it to that just blindingly crisp level, predictability is death. Yeah. I mean, and, that's what I think the Dolphins eventually became. So that, so it's not like they didn't do something. You know, it's not like they just kept banging their head against the wall. It's like they said, okay, now we're going to do this. Well, the team said, okay, fine. Well, you know, we see you doing this. We're doing that. Oh, okay. Uh, and then it's, you know, I wonder if Dak will remember that he can fly. You know, now you got to do something else. You can, you have abilities to do other things and then, and adjust, and, react to that and it felt like they didn't react to the reaction you know of the action yeah yeah i mean i want, so, I want to definitely i definitely want to say more about uh kind of the state of the offense for the second half because we're going to talk more too in the second half um we haven't talked about as much about the defense which again i think i think it's it's they were placed in a really tough spot you know they, they hired Vic Banjo as defensive coordinator, made him the highest paid defensive coordinator. Um, you know, they get Jalen Ramsey. They have a, a unit, which I, you know, I said multiple, multiple times throughout the year, early in the year. I said, I think it's going to be a top 10 unit. Um, you know, they it took them a couple of weeks to get all their guys, um, you know, healthy. But when they were healthy, I think they were really, really good. And then, you know, they they, they were kind of losing guys. And they weren't. 
Yeah, they're just losing guys week by week in the second half of the year. Again, they, they were without six defensive starters uh, in the playoff game. You know, that's uh, Jerome Baker, uh, Jerome Baker, inside linebacker, edge rushers, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, Xavier Howard, Javon Holland. Uh, who am I missing? I know I know Andrew Van Ginkle, who was pretty much a, a de facto starter the, the entire year. He was out. Sean Elliott even got injured late in that game. Um, you know, they, they were playing three pass rushers, veteran pass rushers who weren't on the roster, you know, this time about a week ago. I mean, they just been signed to the roster about right. this time a week ago. Um, so it was a really tough spot. Uh, we saw that they had to play a little bit differently. They had to blitz uh, a little bit more than I think Vic Banjo would have wanted. Um, but when, when you look at it, I mean, how much can we can we give them? Maybe not a pass, but use injuries as maybe an explanation as we kind of, you know, when you write the story uh, of this Dolphins team, how much can you uh, use injuries um, as an explanation for what, what we saw, uh, especially in the final month or so of the season? I don't, it's it's hard to say because they were mostly on the defensive side of the ball, and that's not the side that kind of that really fell apart. I mean, yeah, okay, you know, Lamar and Baltimore ate them up, but Lamar and Baltimore were eating everybody up. So, uh, you know, I it's hard to, you know, it's hard to give them a D for that. Um, and injuries are a reality. Yes, everybody has them, but again, you can next man up all you want. Starters are starters for a reason. And the players they lost are high-level starters, um, you know, Pro Bowl, potentially Pro Bowl players. Yeah. Some, some of them. And so, yeah, that's that doesn't help. Um, does it make a difference in a game or – you know, does it make a difference against Buffalo? Does it make a difference with Kansas City? I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe they get one more, a few more stops against Buffalo. I don't know. And that game ends in a tie or something. I, you know, um, you know, maybe they're able to sit on Kansas City a little more and keep that game closer for longer. But, it, it, you know, as it was, they kept that game, you know, they kept the game from being a blowout until the, four, what, until the fourth quarter. That yeah, was okay, the fourth quarter. That's what it kind of really got away. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. It, I don't know. It, it, yes, you didn't have the defensive personnel you want to see, and the and the full healthy Dolphins defense that you know you looked at in the offseason. You didn't. You didn't see. You didn't see that for many games. But I don't know how much better it would have been had they had everybody. You know, I don't know. It's. Maybe there could have been another t- big turnover or something that, you know, or a pick six or just something that turns a game around or gives them, gets some cheap points. I don't know, maybe, but I have a hard time pinning the slide on that, on the injuries on that side of the ball. And, you know, yeah, again, on your offense, it doesn't help when you lose offensive linemen, um, losing Terry Lyman. That's, that said, I, I think you gotta. I think those injuries, I, I look at and say you gotta overcome those. The defensive side of the ball, I it, say. Okay, I was, I was gonna say you, the, 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 the defensive side, the, the offensive yeah. side. I say you gotta overcome those injuries. The defensive I mean, I mean, side of the ball. Even I mean, even on the offensive side of the ball, I think just to kind of be fair and paint an accurate picture, they played without. I mean, they played twelve different 
starting offensive line combinations over the course of the year. So they didn't really have continuity there. Um, again, I think we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot more about the offense and Tua and you know all that together. But um, I mean that's tough. I mean everybody has injuries, but twelve different stuff. I mean I don't know I don't that's... know where that ranks, but I have to believe that that ranks first uh, in the NFL. Um, twelve different. I mean twelve and eighteen games. Twelve and eighteen games. That's I'm trying to remember who I I one of the teams I was watching recently. I think I had had. Had more like they they never had a had had the same five or something like that or something yeah. ridiculous. So they did. But, I mean, they I mean did. that that does that does make it a little also a little tougher to develop your run game um, because your run game actually does take more coordination with the offense among the offensive linemen than your pa- than your pass. Because you can because because for the run and again we're gonna talk about this in the second half. But in the, but in the past <laughs> game, you can you can do you can you can do what the Dolphins have done over the past two years. You know you can you can throw the ball at the quickest uh, the 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 quickest rate in the NFL to compensate for a uh, 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 lackluster pass protecting offensive line. But it's a little tougher uh, in the run game, and I almost think they kind of maximized what they could given all all the changes. Um, I, I guess the last thing before we kind of wrap up and go to break. Um, you know, again, I had the Dolphins. I actually had them. Funny enough, I was. Looking back at my at my season preseason predictions, I had them at eleven and six. I had them as the sixth seed, which they were, and I had them get and I had them getting eliminated in the first round by the Bills. was wasn't the case there, but uh, still oh, pretty that's, on the nose. That's pretty. That's pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, and again, and and again, it's it's kind of like I'm kind of talking out of both sides because I said that I thought that this was the most talented roster in the AFC, but I did think that some of the early, I, I did think that some of the, especially the injury to Ramsey, that's the one that stood out to me. The fact that he was out for half the year, I thought it was going to be a little, I thought the schedule was going to be a little bit tough, and I didn't think that they'd be able to um, do as well as they play as well against the top tier opponents. Now I didn't think that they were going to be one and six over the course of the season against teams with playoff. Uh, teams that went to the playoffs. And I think that, that that's that's probably the most disappointing part of it all. Like when you really break it down, it's the fact that, it's the fact that this was a team, I, and I, I, I thought about it before, I don't know if this was Super Bowl or bust. Like I don't know anybody that really said it was Super Bowl or bust for the Dolphins this year. But when you make the moves and the types of moves that they've made over the past two years, you trade for Tarvin Kill, you trade for Jalen Ramsey, you sign Swan Armstead. Um, you're Bradley pretty much, Chubb. Yeah, you trade for Bradley Chubb. Like those are the moves of a team that is ready to compete for division titles, compete for conference titles, and maybe even compete, maybe even compete for a Super Bowl. And it's not just that. Well, first off, I keep on saying they shouldn't have been, they shouldn't even have been in a position where they were playing in the coldest game in franchise history last week. Like they shouldn't, even, they should have never been in that position. They should have been playing on Sunday. They should have been playing at home. They should have been hosting uh, probably the Steelers in the first round of the playoffs. So like that's bad enough. But it's the fact that over the course of the year. And outside of the Dallas game, which, I mean, we just saw what they did in the first round. Like, how much of that win worth? Um, over the course of the year, time and time again, when they stepped up in competition, they did not meet the moment. They did not. One in six against playoff teams. So you not only have a team that was bounced in the first round for the second straight year, but we saw a clear delineation in performance when they faced the men teams and when they faced the teams that you have to beat in order – to go on a prolonged run. So now you and and, and I wrote again, I wrote this in my in my game store. When Mike McDaniel first arrived as head coach, he had an interview with the team 
uh, website. And he was talking about the defense. He was asked a question about the defense, but he kind of related to the entire team where he said, you know, we're always going to look at changes. We're always going to look at ways to get better because if you're not getting better, you might as well be getting worse. If you're not improving, yeah, yeah. you're staying stagnant, you might as well be getting worse. So we have a team that was two games better in terms of the regular season record, but was still unable to beat the win the division, was still bounced out in the first round of the playoffs, and when consistently when they faced the best teams in the NFL, they fell short. So the question is, and I think the question for the Dolphins this offseason is, did we really get better? Did we really get better? Did we really take a tangible step forward into pursuing a Super Bowl? I I think they got better. I think they're a better team. But how much better? But but well, obviously, you know, you want to say not enough. But I mean, not, somebody but, somebody but, somebody could say they were more competitive last year in the wild card round without Tua. I mean, they really they were. Uh, yeah 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 but that's that's a different fights against different different fights make different fights against different fighters it's it's that's uh that's a matchup but the team that's a matchup thing and it's not but overall but overall but 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 my my point overall is that they it's this we saw we saw when at their lowest moments at their worst moments it was the same issues last year that we saw this year where it was when you play the better teams your offense starts mouth mouth right i'm not like I'm not, I'm saying they were. I'm. I think they were a better team overall. But you know, would I say the season was a success? No, because you didn't. You know, there was no progression of division title. No playoff win. No. Um. You Did know, you I, think I, I just think that I think, you know, looking at them, I would say it, they were a better team. They did you, this team was better you, than the one I saw last year. But did you but, leave this? Did you did as you as we wrap up this as, this as the season came to an end? Did you feel better about the Dolphins? Do you feel better about the Dolphins now than, than you did this time of year, though? About the, about the state that they're in? I think I think that's that when we look big picture, that's what we have to look at. Like are they in the are they in a better that, position? Does that, does that include like the well I don't know. I I think they're a better position related to the rest of the NFL right now, but are we talking like, you know, as I'm sure we'll get into the second half, salary cap position, like what you know I just look at the product that the team put out this season. The totality of it. Do you feel better about where this team is compared to last year? You don't. I, I don't think. But see, I don't know. See, I don't I think, know if I do. I see. Well, I think. I think part of that though might be prejudiced by what you saw early on, and th- then you 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 know then because those you know, expectations your hope, did your hopes your hopes your hopes those your expectations, expectations did build expectations then then went up. And then if you thought you were going to get move up to here and then suddenly now you're thinking it's up here and then you wind up, well, wait a minute, we actually wound up down here. You're still, I think you're, you're, they move forward. They just didn't move forward as much as, as it seemed like they had moved in when we're looking in October and November. And 
Now we're looking and saying, okay, well, maybe they ha- they're not that much better than they were a year ago. But I think it's I think they are obviously better than they were a year ago. I, I just do. I think there's the defense is better, obviously, than it was a year ago. I think the offense is more well rounded. Not that you know it's more well rounded. It does not hasn't always shown up in the in when you want it to. But I think the offense is more well rounded than it was a year ago, and so. Um, but I, you know, just do I think the year was a success? No, I don't think it was a crashing horrid failure, you know. But I and I think it's closer but, to I think I think one says again, and and I think we have to, you know, we have to look at it with nuance because we, we I, I, yeah. I do I, I do weigh the injuries fairly significantly, but I also look at a team that had an opportunity, um, a Monday night football against the Titans at home and take care of business. If they win that game, they're not in a position where they have to play for the division in Week 18. And shoot, they had an opportunity in Week 18 to win the division and kind of render this all moot. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and and that was really – it really felt like the Tennessee game, it really felt like that was when – like that was, that was kind of the season. Because once they lost that game, it was like, oh, they're probably going to have to play for the division in Week 18. Like, once, once that happened, you just got that feeling that that's where it was heading to. And we had said it. We are like, don't let this get to the final game of the regular season. Do not let it yeah. happen. Um, so, again, you know, my expectations kind of adjusted a bit as the season progressed. And for them, it's just it's, it's just the manner. Like, if they had they had given a a a, a better fight in week in, in, in the wild card round, if they had if they had, you know, won the division and then they just, you know, in, um, amid the injuries and just had a to the nail, like to the final minute game with whoever and they had lost i think i would have looked at it differently um but it's just the manner in which the season kind of ended yeah. and the fact that again i think that this team has gotten to the point where you know albeit they haven't won a playoff game but i think that uh we should weigh more um you know it's not like they're it's not like, like it's 2020 or 2021 where they're just kind of they're just kind of overachieving and you know uh we're not really expecting much from them i think that they've, they've reached the point where we should judge them uh by their performances in in, in the biggest moments and in the biggest moments, time and time again, they fell short. And that's what's and, that's what's disappointing. And you can add, I mean, you know, ten the Tennessee game is not included in that one and six, but the Tennessee game was a, you know, under the lights, Monday night football, hype all out the yin yang, and they didn't finish the job. Yeah. And so I mean it's there's also you also have to Look, you know, there's also apparently a question that it's fair to ask. Uh, how much is this team affected by the by the focus when the focus is really on them? I mean, you know, nobody was nobody was looking at that Denver game. I mean, and I'm not saying no, nobody's looking at the Denver game. Come on, okay, you understand what I'm saying? That was not the focus game of the day. Yeah. It, it, was, it, it was when they, it was it, when they played Buffalo the next week. It was when they went to to play Philly. When they went to to play Kansas City in Germany. Germany, right? You know? These are the fo- these these games were focused games. Everybody's like like okay, everybody's looking at it. Let's see, let's see what you got. Let's see, this, these are good matchups. Woo, the, you know the Baltimore game. Hey, this could si- decide the number one seed. Uh, you know Dallas. It was kind of okay. Okay, fine. Some. Somebody's going to win this game and, you know, break, sort of break a narrative, which or somebody's going to win this game. As it turned out, somebody's going to win this game and the narrative will still be there a few weeks later. But 
uh, you know, Buffalo Sunday night, close the season, Kansas, you know, these, these, these big focus games and the Tennessee game kind of slots in there. That was a high focus game. Everybody's watching, you know, big hype, you know, and it, it just, yeah. you know, it's just, just fell short, you know, just yeah, fell short, it, fell short it, on their face when it mattered most. And, yeah. And um, that, so, you know, you got to wonder what that also, what that also says, but let's get in the break and let's get in the next half so we can talk about whatever we're going to talk about then. Yeah, I was going to say, we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a, a very, very big offseason, very, very interesting offseason for the Dolphins. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to discuss all that. Tua, Christian Wilkins, Xavier Howard, and then some. So stay locked with us and we'll be back straight. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. What's going on, everybody? Still here on the Dolphins and that podcast with David Neal talking all things Dolphins. Now, in the first half, we put a bow uh, on the Dolphins' 2023 season, which ended uh, in the wild card round for the straight second straight year. Uh, the Dolphins now are heading into offseason mode, which brings a lot of pressing questions that the team will have to address, uh, led by general manager Chris Greer and uh, head coach Michael McDaniel. We spoke to both on Monday at an end-of-season news conference, and one of the most uh, – Kind of interesting nuggets to come out of that presser uh, was regarding quarterback Tua Tungabaloa. Now, as I said before, he's set to play out the final year of his rookie contract uh, in 2024 on the fifth-year option worth about $23 million. Um, a lot of quarterbacks, or majority of the high draft pick quarterbacks from his class have received uh, extensions in the past year or so. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, even Jordan Love got a little bit of a, a reworked deal, uh, but Tua has not gotten that yet. Um, at the beginning of the season, Weir said that um, they he and Tua's uh, agent agreed to, you know, shelf any talks, let the season play out, then revisit it afterward. Uh, I asked uh, Greer if the hope and the desire was to strike a long-term deal with Tua Tungabailoa, and he said, quote, the goal is to have him here long-term playing at a high level. That's always the goal, and we'll continue to communicate with him through the offseason here. Now, uh, very interesting comments from Chris Greer. Not really different from what we've heard in the past. We've heard something along those lines. We want to have him here long-term playing at a high level. Uh, some think that there was a little bit of a wiggle room. He, he, he spoke in a vague way to allow for some wiggle room. He didn't say, we are going to and we want to sign him to a long-term deal. He said, we our goal is to have him here long-term playing at a high level. At what price? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's the big one. That's the big one. And Greer was asked that as well. You know, the going rate for uh, quarterback contract extension, that was upwards of $50 million. And we 
you know, that comes with uh, kind of a constraint on, you know, what you can do with uh, the salary cap. Um, again, Tua, that fifth year option is worth $23 million. It's fully guaranteed on the uh, uh, fully guaranteed salary. Um, the Dolphins have a bit of a tight, they do have a tight salary cap situation. that projects to be $40 million over the cap. Uh, so they got to free up some money or they can actually spend it, uh, spend some salary cap in March when free agency opens. An extension uh, would likely free up some money. Um, but again, uh, you know, I think that, you know, halfway through the year, I think there was no question that Tua was going to get some type of lucrative contract extension. He uh, led that finished the season as the NFL's passing leader. Uh, he was voted to his first Pro Bowl as a starter uh, and put up some numbers that we haven't seen since, you know, Dan Marino, um, but obviously the the way the season ended left a bitter taste in everyone's mouth and a re uh, kind of reignited questions about Tua. You know, can he play in uh, inclement weather? Um, is he uh, a player that's only boosted by the scheme in his town? Can he elevate this team? I think that's the big question. Oh, really? Really, the question is: Should the Dolphins and will the Dolphins extend Tua? I've thought a lot about this uh, since the game ended. Um, I. Honestly, I don't like talking about guys' money because it's disguised money. But you know, we gotta, we gotta. I gotta give it to you straight. You know, if, if I was running the Dolphins organization, how I would proceed, um, I would have to play twenty twenty four on the fifth year option, and this is why. And this is why I wanted to. I didn't want to bring this too much in this first half, um, but I think that where the Dolphins currently are, um, it strikes me as very similar to where the Los Angeles Rams were a couple years back with Sean McVay and Jared Goff. You had uh, a high first-round quarterback who struggled um, early in his career. You had an offensive-minded coach who came and built uh, and brought in a scheme or built in a scheme um, to uh, mask his limitations and to elevate and accentuate his strengths. You had an improvement from said quarterback um, but you also had some shortcomings uh, in in playoff in playoff moments and in games against tougher competition. That makes you question um, whether the scheme, whether the 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 strength strength of the scheme has brought out the most out of this player. So we have Tua, who you know the question before McDaniel arrived was this guy a starting college quarterback. I think there's no doubt that he's proved that. You know he's had he had his best year. He stayed healthy. Um, he did what he had to do in the offseason to remain available for the team. And uh, in his brightest moments, he looked like a guy that you can really win around. But in the brightest, the biggest moments of the season against the toughest competition, when teams were able to, to game plan around this scheme and around Tua, we did see some of those issues pop up where, you know, he made, he's not able to create as much after the script. Um, once the script uh, kind of dies down, once the play breaks down, um, if he gets pressure, you know, I think he had the widest disparity in passer rating and performance uh, when he was pressured and when he wasn't pressured. Um, and again, he did not look comfortable at all. The entire offense didn't play well, but Tua did not look comfortable at all throwing in that in that weather. And I know, like, I don't know how many quarterbacks could have, but Patrick Mahomes looked a lot more comfortable. And I hate to even compare him to Patrick Mahomes because – <laughs> but I'm just saying, Tua did not look comfortable rowing in those elements. And again, that continues a recurring narrative, whatever you want to call it, about him playing in those types of climates. Now, the, the question, and as I said before, the question for the Dolphins and for really Mike McDaniel was to have a real heart-to-heart -heart and say, 
were the late season issues and the issues we had against some of the, our toughest opponents this year because of me, because of my play calling. I know there's some people that are saying McDaniel um, you know, should relinquish his play calling and focus on the game day management. I don't agree with that. I think that McDaniel um, is one of the better play callers in the NFL, and we have to remember that he's still growing. He's just finished his second year as a coach and a play caller. And I think that he would be the first to say that he has room for growth. But so, he, but he has to look in the mirror and say, are the issues that we're having for the second straight year with this offense because of me? Is it because of what I asked him after the game? Is it because of fundamental problems with the scheme and maybe the personnel that can be tweaked in the offseason? Or do are there concerns about Tua and his play reaching the ceiling within this scheme. Now, I personally think that's a little bit of, of, of everything. I think all of that plays has played a role into the struggles that we saw late in the season. But uh, for, for Tua, the thing is that he's never going to be a Josh Allen type quarterback. He's never going to be a Lamar Jackson type quarterback. He's never going to be a Patrick Mahomes type quarterback. And I say that as a guy who is going to be able to run around Make plays off right. consistently, consistent. Like he can move, he can move. He's not a statue, but in terms of extending He's, plays, it's, yeah. it's 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 a different level. So, I, the thing is, like when you look at the AFC, like look at the quarterbacks who are still playing in the AFC: Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and C.J. Stroud, who is just a rookie. But he's elevated his himself into competition and into a conversation about maybe being a fringe elite quarterback. And then you look at, you know, Joe Burrow, who, you know, was injured and, you know, he's usually playing into the second weekend of the of the uh, of the um, of the playoffs. Um, I'm very interested to see. I mean, obviously, I'd love to be a fly on the wall on these conversations and see how much they give him, because I don't know if you can commit 50 million dollars to a guy, um, to a quarterback who you are not 100 percent certain can take you to a Super Bowl. And really be able to elevate you and transcend the scheme, however, whatever you take to meet, right. however you just however you interpret that, transcend the scheme and 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 lead and elevate the team, especially when uh you're not in a you're not in a, a situation where you can build around him completely. Because this the thing that I left, sorry, my last thing is the thing that I left the game thinking was why does everything have to be perfect? for Tua. You know, that's not that's not to say that we shouldn't hold his teammates accountable because Tyreek said there's sometimes where the wide receivers are in the right spot. There's times where we can help him out better. But my question is like, why does everything have to be perfect for Tua? Because, you know, I personally think that this might be the best roster in terms of talent that they're able to build around Tua for a while, honestly. Um, in terms of the, the offensive talent around him, in terms of the defensive talent that supplements the offense, uh, this might be the best roster that they can build around, so especially if they're going to commit 45, upwards of $50 million. So this might be the best roster that they can build around. And things aren't always going to be perfect. Like your offensive line, while there could be improvements, the offensive line isn't always going to be able to block perfect for you. You're not always going to have two, four, three wide receivers who are number one wide receivers. You're not always going to have two, four, three running backs that you can pitch the ball to and they can take the 75 yards to the house. And I just, like... It's almost like if you if you question at all whether he should get a fifty million dollar contract, I if you have any reservations about it, I'd almost I'd rather shelf it for another year 
I'm not saying you should trade him. I'm not saying kick him to the curb because he's a starting caliber quarterback. Um, but I'm not there yet. The 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 late season struggles, while not all on him, um, that was concerning enough to give me pause on you know giving a top of the market deal and even one that even a Daniel Jones type deal because like any of these type of deals you're locked into for the next two three years unless you get creative with it to be able to like and, and that's just not how that's not how these contracts work when you give these type of contracts you're stuck into it for at least three years so I, I, I'd pause right now and 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 see what happens on the fifth year option yeah I agree I don't <sighs> I don't see, and you're, you're right, he doesn't, there's not a, the quarterback made it work, you know, sort, sort of thing to him. And it's not to say that he doesn't have anything to do with those, with their offensive explosiveness or with plays working. It's that there are plays, and we've, we see them every week, that where you go, oh my goodness, things just, Things broke down, or this, you know, this person missed a block completely, uh, and they, you know, just you know, players did the wrong things, and somehow the quarterback made it work, uh, made the play work, made the play, you know, and it broke the, <laughs> it really breaks the heart, also breaks the heart of the defense who thought, ah, oh, we had him. We had him. We had exactly what we wanted. We got the guy coming in unblocked. We got, you know, we had him, you know, we we did everything right, and they still got us for 30 yards on that on that play. He still managed to do it. And we 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 had him. We knew we had him. And no, it just it didn't it didn't work out. It didn't work that way. And it turned out they, they got you. Yeah, unless you're Brock Purdy and your, you know, your roster is, you know, around you is just, you know, completely ridiculous. Um, yeah, you need guys who can do that, and Tua isn't one of the. Right now, he hasn't shown himself to be one of those guys. No, you know, could he take that last? step edge that's the question become one of those guys the then, question then, is yeah, how much the question is how much better can he get in within this current scheme right and is it enough to lift you you know from a first round playoff exit team to a super bowl contender that's the question that's that, that i think that, i think that's what it comes down to when you're if you're discussing yeah, and, and, uh, a contract extension this year right this right because you're and because your goal is to be a super bowl winner and right now you're not close and yeah, you're, you know, I agree with you that this is just not, it's in a big play in a game of big plays, which the NFL has been for, you know, several years, you got big plays coming out of your running backs. You got big plays coming out of your wider, wide receivers. You've got a lot going on there that should help a quarter that should help a quarterback. And yet, yeah, there's not just not that feeling that uh, he's going to he can elevate the unit when it needs to be elevated, um, and so. But you can't 
you know, you can't move off you, of him. But you can't, you can't move, you can't, unless, yeah, you can't unless, move unless, him. unless like, you work some, unless you work some magic and you find an upgrade. I don't know where, but unless you have a clear cut upgrade, you can't. Right, and 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 who's and they're, they're that's not you know the other GMs aren't out there in the business of helping out the Dolphins, you know. So I mean, we've seen if them, somebody, we've seen if somebody has some stuff, but if somebody has a clear cut upgrade at that position, they ain't trade him to the Dolphins. Sorry, yeah. that that's yeah. not that's not you don't you know the the Bradley Chubb trade doesn't happen with a quarterback, <laughs> you know. Um, so. You know, now you're, you know, so yeah, you've got to, you let them play it out. And then, you know, next summer you have it, then everybody has the, you've got the full list. You've got the full rather, I mean, you've got the compliment of, you've got everything laid out there. Here's the performance. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think that, no, I I will say, as I alluded to before, I think that, I, I do want to see more evolution from McDaniel. I want to see what he does in his, like he, him having a second off season. So to build upon this offense, because I do think that um, there there is a lot of room for growth in the scheme, you know, particularly like getting that, that power element, that consistent power element between the tackles. Um, they're going to have to upgrade. I think they're going to have to upgrade the offensive line now. Cause I think that um, the, the, the very kind of hyper-specific offense that they've built has been um, not only masked, not only masked, limitations of two and essentially this talent but to also maybe kind of hide the element hide the weaknesses of the of the offense um i think that maybe you, you do need to build you know that offensive lineup a little bit more to one where he is able um to do a little more in the passing game he doesn't have to get the ball out so quickly and maybe be so predictable um but you know i think that there is blame the goal and i don't think that it's 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 a i don't think it's one for like it's one thing. I don't think that you can just point the finger yeah. at McDaniel and say he's the reason why this offense, no. uh, you know, uh, faltered in the in the uh, last month of the season. I don't think it's all just Tua because Tua did have some good moments. It's not like he was trash the entirety of the final month of the season. He had some good moments. He just said it wasn't sustained, and you know, they wasn't able. Like there wasn't there wasn't any consistency to the offense. Um, I mean, so that's that's one of you know many pressing things for the Dolphins. Obviously, they don't have to extend him this offseason, um, but it would give them a lot of flexibility for what we're about to discuss uh, now to kind of wrap things up, uh, the offseason outlook for the Dolphins. Because, again, um, they're forty predicted to be $40 million over the cap. Uh, they have multiple um, uh, key free agents. I believe six starters um, set to become unrestricted free agents, the, the most you – know, the most – Important of those players is obviously Christian Wilkins, um, who wasn't able to uh, find uh, or I guess get a uh, new deal last year. He played um, on the fifth year option this year. Um, we got two starting offensive linemen in a uh, in Connor Williams and um, Robert Hunt at the right guard. Also Isaiah Wynn, but I think that Connor Williams and Robert Hunt are definitely the priorities there. Um, and you have a team that I, I think most people would say is still very talented. Um, but and, and this was also question. This question was also posed in the post uh, end of season news conferences. Um, you don't seem like you need to. The Dolphins didn't come across as a team that needs to like make huge changes. Um, and, and Greer said, you know, I think that we're on the right track. So obviously the team's going to look different, but the question is how different. Um, now again, they're, they're going to have to free up money, which means restructures, cuts, trades. Um, this is something that we saw last year where they were over the cap. And he restructured a couple guys, Tyree Kill, Bradley Chubb, 
um, Teron Armstead, they restructured those guys' uh, deals in order to free up some money in the short term and kind of kick the can down, kind of like a credit card. You know, you, you know, take on some credit now or take on uh, that right now <laughs> and, and, and pay pay the debt later. Um, I I'm not a fan of that, but I understand that in order to kind of maintain the core of the roster, um, they, they're probably going to have to do that. The question is, is and when I looked at their books, I was thinking there's not a lot of guys who I feel very confident doing that because you have to you have, when you restructure the contracts, you have to do that with the guy who you feel confident that, you know, two, three years down the line, he's still going to be you know on your roster and playing at a high level. So I got no problem doing that with Tyree Kill. Um, I really don't have a problem doing that with Jalen Ramsey because although he dealt with the miscuse injury, he came back, he played at a high level, he's just going to be 30. But then you get into guys like Teron Armstead, who kind of alluded to considering retirement. Uh, right. You know, he, he did allude to that. Um, you have a guy like Bradley Chubb, who's coming off a second ACL injury. Like I know he's still young, fairly young. He's in the prime of his career, but do you really want to do that with a guy coming off the injury? Um, Xavier Howard is one of the big question marks for this offseason because he has no guaranteed money. He did not seem very open uh, to taking a pay cut. He asked reporters, you know, would you take a pay cut if your boss asked you to? I already know what your answer is. You're not taking a pay cut. Um, so better have my money. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, you know, if you do cut some guys to free some cap room, um, you got to replace those guys. If you cut an Xavier Howard, you, you have to replace and find a new starting quarter cornerback. Um, you know, I, I think that the dolphins, you know, kind of the, the byproduct of, you know, taking these, this all in approach, so to speak, and making these big moves for guys and then not paying off and paying all this money is that now, you know, the rents do like the, like the, the bill is due and you can put this into their <laughs> chance right now or you can, you know, kick it down. I mean, they, they, they gotta, I would think that they have to keep Christian Wilkins. They have to find a way to keep him or else you got to find another defensive lineman to, to fill in the middle of your, of your, off, of your defense. So it, mm -hmm. it makes for a very interesting off season. I would say right now um, what I would do and what I think the Dolphins will do. I think if I'm the Dolphins, I can talk myself into, um, rationalizing some of the late season struggles or kind of rationalizing some of the late season struggles with the defense missing six starters. Um, I don't love that Xavier Howard is, you know, coming off another injury. And it's just, he said it was a, a midfoot sprain. He'll, he'll be fine for the spring and training camp, but he's a year older. Xavier Howard, uh, uh, excuse me, Jalen Ramsey's a year older. I don't, I don't necessarily love that. You know, Tyree Kill is going to be 30. I'm sure he still has some good years left, but, you know, these guys are, getting a little bit older, but I can talk my, from the Dolphins, I can talk myself into quote unquote running it back. Um, you know, that, that probably means restructuring a couple guys and, you know, hoping that they can, you know, still play two, three more years. Um, you know, I think that you can work around the cap without, you know, needing an extension for two or to give you some space. Um, but I do think that they do have to make some significant additions uh, on the offense to ensure that, you know, what we've seen the last two years doesn't happen again. I mean, for McDaniel, like that's like the worst possible scenario that you are an offensive minded head coach and your offense fails you two years in a row, more or less. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about, you know, as we get later into the offseason when the entire NFL season wraps up, um, you know, who to sign, who to target. Um, but I think you got to find a way to get a legitimate, consistent running game that can do multiple things, um, whether that's rebuilding the offensive line, whether that's getting a, another running back. Because I don't think HN is, I don't think he's ever going to be a lead back guy. Most of had a great year, but, you know, he's 
getting a, he's on the wrong side of 30. Um, so, you know, I don't think you can count on another career year for Mostert. Um, I'd love to see them, you know, really hone in on that run game and really find a, a third pass catcher, and whether it's a third wide receiver, whether it's uh, a legitimate tight end who can do everything you want in this offense, block, run routes, catch. I'd love to see them get a third uh, pass catcher to kind of complement and, and, and like kind of like veer from the, the archetype that we've seen in this offense, which is, you know, the, the smaller four, three guys. Um, that's great, but I'd love to see a little bit of, a little bit of diversity, a guy who, you know, can maybe make the 50, 50 uh, balls can go down and make some tough contested catches consistently and just give a little bit of a uh, diversity to this passing game. Um, what, what do you, what do you think should be, I guess, the number one priority for the Dolphins, this offense, uh, this off season? Well, you know, between Wilkins and Howard, you have to, I think you have to decide. Uh, to me, they're the, per, the first two you have to resign. And you well, just, well, you, well, X is still under contract, but he has no guarantee well, I mean, left. So you can, right. they can, they can come to him with a pay cut um, to try to get some, get some relief. They could cut him, but you know, just, I don't want to get too in the weeds of it, but they're not going to, if they cut him, they're not going to get any, any, no, and, any, any and release of, any you're, relief no, of you're not going to cut him. You're not going to cut him because you don't because then, you know, again, then what? You know, you, what what are you getting? Are you going to get a cornerback of that quality? No. Um, I mean, we saw him get Jalen last year, but. It, they all, not, they always seem to have one magic trip up, up their sleeves. Yeah. Well, I will say that. I will say so, that. Yeah, well, some sometimes eventually, eventually, what's up your sleeve, you know, is is your armpit, and it stinks. Um, no, they they have to resign Wilkins because that that's your middle of their defense, and strength at the middle is just you, you can't be that's so undervalued for a de- defense. I mean, even it, you know, just his ability to, you know, his ability to push the line, but. Back his ability, it, it doesn't matter. Sometimes if he, a lot of times if he gets the the sack, his ability to push that pocket so that the, the quarterback space is crowded and he feels uncomfortable, um, and he can't step into a throw. You know that's you know how many interceptions will come from that or overthrows come from that. Uh, now, offensively, I it, it's interesting. I I wonder what you know like you. I have not looked at the you know coming NFL draft as to what positions it's you know it's loaded in, um, you know. He, and they're and they're gonna it, have they're gonna have their most more or less their full slate of picks. They're gonna have a first, a second, a fourth, two six. So they're they're gonna have a first round pick, you know, unless they trade it for the first time in a couple of years. So they're, they're gonna right. be able to make to get some young talent in there. So yeah, you know, maybe there's some holes you feel you see, look at and you say, okay, look. We can upgrade in the draft, and you know we can that you know those early deals can save us a little bit of money, you know, with some guys we might have to slice. Got to hit on those picks though, because I know they won't. Yeah, they won't yeah. have no, in the last well, two I'm, years. Well, the only draft pick that the only draft pick that's really done much of anything in the past two years is, is Devon Achen. So you gotta you know you use those picks. You gotta you gotta hit on them. You know. Yeah. Well, obviously, 
eat. I don't know if I mean I I would go either I would go online and sure you know I honestly would make sure that's okay uh, I you know I just think you have to your defensive and offensive lines you know life's a lot easier when those are both settled those are okay and those can do what you want them to do and I think the I don't know that the, you know, I think Raheem Mostert can run between the tackles strong. I think, you know, Devon Achan, I mean, he, yeah, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but if you, you know, give him a little bit of, give him a little bit of space, he can, you know, carry the ball between the tackles, not every day on play, but enough, enough to give you, to give you a presence there, to help give you a presence there along with Mostert. Yeah. Mostert's, you know, over over thirty, he you know he's not going to give you the you know the fantasy points if you're you know again, but he can give. But in the real football world, he can give you valuable time and valuable yards, and still has a lot of value. I think. Um. So and yeah, they you know they need to develop that that element. They don't have to be a pound the rock to, team. You know, you know just you know, bull, just be able to bulldog everybody down the field, you know, Zonka style, but you got to have that ability to gain, you know, one yard, two yards, and you got to be able to line up and say, okay, we're going to do this. And the other team respect that and not laugh at you. Because frankly, that by the end, I think Casey kind of did. Um, and those are the areas I would handle first, first off. And, I would do, you know, then whatever, you know, slicing, cutting, you know, chopping, maneuvering you have to do and controlling to get that done, you know, uh, you do that. And uh, it's funny, uh, the whole, when X asked about, you know, taking the pay reduction, it reminded me. I seem to remember Sam Madison a generation ago or two generations ago, no matter depending on how you count it. I seem to remember him taking a restructuring and a pay cut because they were, I think they, because it was like, okay, this is how we're going to keep, you know, Pastor Tan. And they wound up losing Pastor Tan anyway. Yeah. I mean, I so, mean X, X has done restructures, but it's more so been to get more money in his pocket. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think he's going to do a 180 and, yeah. and give up some money. You know, right, right. there's no guarantee no. money left on his contract, which is why there is speculation that he could be, you know, cut, that he could be approached with a pay reduction in order, maybe, maybe a reduction in salary, but they guarantee more of that money. Um, you know, that, that, uh, I asked Chris Greer about that as well. And he said, you know, we're, we'll approach it like we approach every player individually. Um, but again, you know, I, I think that the question for them is, you know, is this is the core of this roster good enough and worth preserving for another year? Um, and because the, the way that their their books are set up, um, they're going to have to, again, kind of treat it like a credit card and kick the can down the road one year in order to to retain some of these guys. I and mean, they have multiple free agents, multiple core free agents um, that are that are, you know, kind of the, the lifeblood of this team. Um, so that that's going to be a, one of the many conversations this offseason. I think if you 
you know, if you ask the fan base, if I think if the Dolphins thought, hey, with with solid health, with good health, this core can go go deep into the playoffs in the third year with this coach and the staff and the assist and the second year with the defensive coordinator. Yeah, you'll you know, you'll take the you'll take the hit of you know, you'll take the credit card hit a couple years down the road if that actually can happen. Um you know but if you really do if you're not absolutely sure it can happen you gotta take a different you gotta take a different approach. Um, yeah I mean I don't think I don't think you can go halfway with it. I think you either gotta yeah. kick the can yeah. completely down the road or you gotta blow it up and I don't know if they're at that I don't know if you I don't know if you can just that. You um, can't but you can't you can't blowing it blow I think blowing it up is an option. I just don't yeah. that's just not they're, an they're kinda of, they're kinda of stuck where you know you gotta I mean, you, you you still got Tyree Kill, who I think can give you, you know, still still give you good years. I think Jalen Ramsey could give you good years. They obviously have a core of young guys, Jalen Waddle, Javon Holland, Jalen Phillips coming back from the injury. But, you know, that also complicates things, too. You have some guys coming off some major injuries, and they might not be ready for the season. So that, that is complicated. It's more. Um, but at, at its, you know, at the core of this roster, you know, I think that they I – mean, I thought that they were talented enough to compete for a division, to compete for uh, a conference title. Uh, but they did come up short, and now you do have to again have those tough conversations about you know how how much um, can we do to give us some wiggle room this year and try to pursue another Super Bowl this year. Um, yeah, very uh, very tough. You know, this is not the way Dolphins fans wanted this season to end, and the types of conversations that they wanted to have. Uh, but here we are, nonetheless. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting off season. Uh, you know, we still got a couple of weeks before that entire NFL season wraps up, and then we really dive uh, into the off season program. Uh, but we'll be there all the way uh, to Miami Herald, uh, covering that, keeping you updated uh, on the latest Dolphins happenings. Um, and that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphin Internet Podcast. I want to thank you guys as always for tuning in. Remind us to subscribe to the Miami Herald YouTube page. Like, share, comment, and we'll subscribe to the Miami Herald. We'll be back soon uh, yeah. to recap. I can't say another weekend of Dolphins football, but Dolphins football is coming to an end. Uh, but we'll be back soon to recap some more <laughs> Dolphins. Dolphins stuff. Dolphins stuff. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we, might, we might be. We'll be taking next week off, or are we going to be back next week? I will see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. That's why I said we'll be back soon. But we'll be back. We'll definitely be back soon to discuss more dogs. Uh, Until then, you guys take care. See you. All right.